Hola, film family, ¿qué tal? It's Isusko, a.k.a. The Walking AD, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Um, it's June. Can't believe it. It's here, six months. Hey, where is the year gone? Um, so my first shout-out goes out to the legendary prop master, Matty Marsden. Thank you so much for, for putting a review on the Apple Podcast, brother. It means so, so much. Um, ladies and gents, go do it. It means the world. Um, thank you. Uh, secondly, I got an email from the Pro Carton Student Video Awards. Ooh wee! Um, and they've emailed me, and they're looking for students to make a video. There's a brochure and there's info, so just hit me up, DM me, email me, whatever you need to do, just to get the info. But all film students, they want to, media students, they want to get you to make a video. The winner gets five thousand euros. Hello. Um, and the email, my email address, I'll put in this episode bio, so go check that out. And lastly, um, I've decided I'm, I'm going to do a sponsored walk for the film and TV charity just because they've done so much for, for, for all of us, for the film family. Um, I just want to try and get some money back for them so they can help people that are just maybe in a tougher situation than yourselves. Um, I'm aiming to do it Friday the 26th of June, so end of this month. I'm giving myself a few, a few weeks to kind of try and train for it. Uh, there's a heavy pencil though on the on the 27th, just in case that you know that massive five-day commercial that's just round the corner comes in for <laughs> the end of June. Um, and the basics are: I'm going to do 30 miles, and I'm going to aim to do it in 12 hours. I'm going to walk it, and I'm going to go from my house, and I'm going to go to Black Island and back. Yes, La Isla Negra, um, the home of, of TV commercial productions in London. Uh, I'm going to call it my lockdown pilgrimage. It's going to be all over my socials for the next kind of couple of weeks. Uh, the link is going to be the is in my bio for both Film Gods and the Time Scheduler. So please go check that out. Any amount that you send um, over, you'll get a shout out um, for that first week in July or second week in July, whenever I stop the funding. Um, and then the top three one-off payments will get a big, big love in the intro. So if you want to get big love in the intro. Drop what you can. Um, wow. Well, already Phil Juma, Big Love, and Johnny Don have already contributed. So massive, massive love going out to those two boys. Uh, and before this becomes like a 12-minute chat monologue, um, I'm going to leave it here. I love you all. Have a cracking week. Um, have a lovely weekend. Big love. And uh, let's do this. Let's get started. Let's get started. Hello, film family. So we are delving into a world that is new, that is fresh, that has been around now for a handful of years. It's a role that is super important um, because without it, DPs now are using this particular type of person as their as their sounding board, as their creative backbone, as their as their person that they go to to tell them that things are okay. Um, and we've got one of the best and a lovely man who I have such a wonderful time on set with. So without further ado, what is your name and what do you do, sir? Hello, my name is Mark Kozofsky and I'm a DIT or Ooh. Digital Imaging Technician. Boom. So what does that role mean to you? So, um, well, firstly, I, mean, I want to just describe the term because it's a bit, it's a bit of this thing, as you know, and as you said, we are a, a bit of a weird role. We're kind of new, kind of 10 years old, 10, 15 years old. Um, and it's kind of come out of nowhere. So there's a bit of sort of friction when we first turned up, which I've been doing this for a long time, about 10 odd, 15 odd years, along with some other really, really, really lovely guys, Elvin Prentice, Vlad Martins, Matt Cole, Phoebe Fraser, Amazing. James Lewis. Um, if I didn't mention you guys, it's not, it's not personal, it's just what comes, comes to my name. Um, <laughs> Anyway, but so I was having a chat with someone online the other day, as you do, because we're all digital these days. And um, so the role, the name digital uh, imaging technician actually came out of America and it was mm -hmm. based on the union systems. So when um, a post facility sent out digital cameras, the DPs didn't know how to use them. So they had to send out technicians with them. So they mm -hmm. couldn't call them a sound video engineers because it was part of the 695 union. Um, which again, union stuff in America, I don't really understand. Is that like a CCTV, what? like a video playback? Yeah, kind of. Area. So that was their yeah. name, so they couldn't use it. So basically, under 600, they called them digital imaging technicians, and therefore they could now put them in the union. The problem is because the role keeps changing, the names keep changing, so you can't. It doesn't make them a mandatory position. So we don't really exist and do exist, and it took us a long time to kind of get there. Mm. Um, 
again, this is a, good, this is a bit of preamble, but like yeah. uh, we parted a group in the UK. It was Vlad, the king of the dits. We love lovely Yay! Vlad. Yay! Who I'm speaking to, he's going to come on and do a little podcast. Amazing. Well, he kind of started, uh, kind of unified us, not in union, but unified us in the UK and kind of put us together and, and we all kind of set up. I mean, uh, Jeff Brown was there when he was a DIT, obviously running Brian Emotion and um, loads of other people who are now, some of them are DOPs and other stuff. We sat down and just basically said, let's make this something. So it's not a digital loader. It's not a data wrangler. It's not this, it's not that, it's something else. So he basically said, let's put this group and let's share information. Let's talk, let's make it work. And from that, you know, it kind of progressed out into uh, Digital Orchard, Mission Digital, and I think the guys of um, CineArc and who do make films and dramas mainly, but it's all kind of, we all kind of formed it. I wouldn't say Vlad started a bit, it all kind of pe- petered hey, out. Hey, you gave time. him the title King of the DITs, man. King of the Dits. That's big. <laughs> He's the one. He was that's the one. Like, but give him a crown. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has one. But, um, <laughs> anyway, but he, what, what Vlad did was really nice was, he basically made a place where we could go together and talk. And so when yeah. a new camera came out, we could discuss how to do it and so on and so forth. And we've still got this group. It's moved over to a new and to a new um, forum and thing with an app and stuff. But we just talk, we share work and so forth. So it's really, it's really good. Um, but obviously, as our world keeps changing and so forth, we don't know. We did without that, we wouldn't have been what we are right now. And mm. I know that one of the issues, especially even now, and there's a there's a thing actually happening tomorrow because of it. The Every, uh, university student um, lecturers say, hey, if you want to get in the film industry, become a DIT, get a laptop, go off for loads of rushes. And that wasn't the right advice to give people because you turn up on set and like there'll be myself or you know, one of the pre- pre-mentioned DITs or someone who's been there for ages. And we lose a job because a guy would come in and undercut us rate-wise mm. and then not do the job properly. Yep. And so therefore there'd be problems and other stuff would lead from it. So again, our little group was important because it gave production and everyone else also a place to go, well, these are the people who will do the job right. And these people are just people who are just offloading rushes. Yeah. It's not the same thing. And I'll explain obviously what we do in a minute, but it's, that's, that's the kind of the preamble of what the DIT is. We, nice. We're still kind of finding our feet. And this meeting I'm having tomorrow is a whole bunch of dits. I wrote a document uh, last year, which I've been peddling around for about a year to put a structure into the department. So I want the DITs to have uh, a leveling structure. So we have trainees, we have a data manager and a DIT, and then also onset color. So you can actually split off to different places. So actually have a, a whole defined structure. So apparently this has gone to the GBCT and other people. And basically a whole bunch of people are doing a meeting and said, oh, do you want to come along? And I went, oh, I wrote a document about this. And they went, I know. We're going to that's why we yeah, that's why we've invited you <laughs> you're going to be the guest speaker oh shit oh yeah fine great no, not, not necessarily <laughs> but i think it's, it's way what i did was essentially i put down in words what everyone was thinking and uh okay not well, it makes sense it. so you know my so me growing up started as a runner got in when it was film saw the change to the digital and it was like i remember the days where it was like there was like one dude in the uk mm-hmm. and he only had one red and he then had to buy two because no one would buy the one because you wouldn't be insured and, and yeah. now you kind of see DOPs going over to, to, you know, focus and, 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 you know, a whole list of camera team just over your shoulder, checking things. Is it this? Is it that? What can the colors do? What can the colors not do? And, you know, kind of thinking that someone can just drag and drop and be a data storage manager type person, but also have the same, be as efficient to a DP. So, what what is it that you know? Let, let's just let's just get into it then. So what is it that you're doing on a day to day? My first question would always be pencil to invoice, but we can yeah. always deal with that question earlier if you just want to get straight into what it is that you're doing on the set. Right. So um, I mean, we, we, do you want to do the history, the history yeah. of the digital thing first, or do you want to try and go into the um, into what we what I do? Um, your call. Right. So let's let's go into the into the history of it. So. Um, because the best way to best way to understand what I do is by knowing where it's come from. So, yep. um, digital cameras about 10, 15 years ago basically started exploding, as you just said, like five Ds, Reds. Literally, they led the way. Everyone's shooting on them because they knew they're fresh. And commercials are different to films. Just to make that clear. They're, and dramas, they're all they're all different bits that do different things and part of each job. So, because because of that, DP didn't know what they're doing. So they're like, well, we need someone to do it. So we come along and we go, great. Well, we'll look after the camera field. We'll let you know what's going on and how it's going on. We'll just keep an eye on and stuff and just let you know it's all, all okay. Like, fantastic. So what we're doing essentially is replacing the laboratory in the film developing process. Nice. And also the central loader. So central loader, we're offloading and then we're doing the lab process and then we're providing 
um, material for the offline uh, for the offline lesson post-production and so forth so mm. we're kind of putting everything together making it all work and but we're just replacing this lab workflow essentially and the central loader which which means we speed things up which means we can find problems on set straight away yeah. we can find exactly how it works so the problem was that the film and um, the film guys didn't like us they were like well, films films are going to go away we don't know what you're talking about. Digital's isn't nothing's going to happen. So when you say film, when you say the film guys, are you talking people that worked in film or people that worked on film? People who worked on film. Yep. So digital was really kind of rebuffed. And again, this is why I need to tell you the history of it. So Kodak developed the original digital camera. So they were the first people to come up with a pattern. So someone came into an office and went, "Hey guys, look at this. I can I can make this one photon appear on this tape, and I can play it back. Look, isn't it amazing?" And all the chairman boards went okay, well, this is a problem. So if this is how long before this supersedes film, I mean, they went, they use Moore's law and Moore's law is the observation that a number of transistors in a dense integrated circuit doubles every two years. You better be right? reading that off a paper, brother. You don't want to give up. Really um, but it, what it means is that we're basically smaller and smaller transistors go onto, 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 a, onto a sensor, which means you get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to a point where it's where your square becomes a circle and so therefore you can't tell the difference between film and digital. And personally speaking, that's when the Sony Venice came out, which was about last year, where we superseded film. We can actually see more in, in a film, in a digital image than you can in a film image. And I thought people would argue with me with that, but I said- Hey, that, that, can be, that can be a podcast I can get you on and someone else <laughs> on and, and I can just let you go at it. Absolutely, but like so I personally speaking, the Venice has got 16-bit color, which is over a billion colors, and it and it shoots in 6K, and it shoots at about 15 odd uh, stops of, lat of latitude, which is again more than any film camera. So it's the first time you actually you can do whatever you want with a camera. It's it's an amazing piece of technology, not taken away from the Alexa or the Reds and so forth, which is another conversation. But that's how it works. Um, Anyway, so what happened in this boardroom? They said, how long did it supersede it? And the guys at Kodak went, they went, oh, it's about 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And they go, oh, we're going to be retired by then, so it's someone else's problem. So they just kept on funding it. Like, yeah, no worries, just keep developing it, see what happens. We'll keep the pattern and see what goes on. And it led to the destruction of Kodak. It led to the destruction of film actually collapsing because digital mm. just took over. Yeah. Because with film, you, couldn't, you can't see an image. When you're playing live, you can sort of, but it's not great. And clients freak out and everyone's freak out. Goes, oh, is it going to be okay? Is it going to be okay? And with digital, you're plugging in and you see pretty much what you're filming. So, so obviously people are going to move forward because you know, we are an end-to-end -end supplier. We, you, know, you want us to shoot something, but they want to know what we're doing and looking over our shoulder. Mm. I always refer to it as the plumber. You know, the plumber's sitting there fixing the pipes and they're looking over your shoulder going, um, do you want to use that spanner instead of that spanner? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. That's what we that's what we do. We we show them what we can do, and okay. uh, the dits on set. We because of the tools we have, we can now do more. So we can actually change the color, like live gradients. We can change the colors on set. We can change everything. And I mean, obviously, this leads into the trending thing we're going to talk about. I've just done a complete virtual workflow where I've, I was at home, and we offloaded from the cameras, checked the cameras, did everything literally from our own homes. We didn't leave. They did. They filmed everything, and we just took it and did everything with it, and you know, end to end. And it's going to be right. out uh sometime next week or so but anyway but so the digital cameras they now again superseding what film does i'm not taking mm. away from film film has its own way of doing things and digital has its way of doing things they both have a place same as oils and acrylics and water paints and so forth nice. there is a place for film that always will be a place nice. for film if you want to shoot, I like shoot. that and that i like that little kind of i hadn't really thought i'd always just seen it's kind of black and white it's like you either shoot film or you shoot digital but actually seeing it as an art form and kind of thinking well you know they love painting with chalk. They like sketching. They like watercolor. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Yeah, it's it's it is it's what the DP wants to see, DP and director show. I should mm. say what well, DP and director they, what they see is what they want to paint with. Like I said, they're the artists, and we you know we're we're the technicians that literally are there to support their you know their vision of what they're trying to do. We're trying to make mm. it work, you know, as ads and so forth. You know, I always say to everyone, we're all artists. Everyone on set is an artist. Like just because the director and DP are wearing those hats today, tomorrow they might not be wearing those hats, and you'll be wearing that hat. It's mm. fine, but you're still you're still an artist, so you have a, an opinion. But you're you're there to support their vision. And that's what technicians do. And that's what we're, you know what we're strong about. Um. Anyway, so one of the bad things about obviously the, the transition between the film and digital was I do remember this when I was uh, I did a, some promos years ago, and I turn up, go good morning, hello, I'm Mark, I'm the DIT, and the focus puller goes stop. Don't come near my camera. You go over there. I'm over here. Don't tell me what's going on. And I'd be like, uh, okay, but I kind of, okay, fine. I, you know, I'll leave it. Um, and, I, and I kind of had a few fallings out with certain people. But then I just literally one day thought, oh, I've got a good idea. And I went, great, no problems. I'll let the producer know that the way you set the camera up is and any problems that happen are your responsibility. So if they're wrong, 
uh, it's your fault. Or you can let <laughs> me look at it and I'll yeah. take responsibility for it. And yeah. then we can, uh, we can do it. And that's how I built a lot of relationship with focus pillars. Because I said, let me take responsibility. Let me take the load off you. So it's, yeah, not, nice. yours. it's not yours, it's mine. And they go, that's fine. Because that's, I mean, that's where it happened. That's, again, you're creating a role. So I always felt if I take the responsibility, yeah. then it's my role. Hmm. And that way, focus pillars can, you know, they can appreciate that. Okay, fine, cool. I don't have to worry about that. Hmm. So well, they've got enough on their plates anyway. You know, it's, it's, if you can take a spinning plate, I think one of the ADs said it was like, if you can take a spinning plate off me, I'm more than happy for you to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, nice. The focus pillars, I, I still think, oh, at this point now, and it's one of the hardest jobs on set. Oh, just God. Keep, they're, they're just, it's relentless what they have to kind of put yeah. on, do on a day to day basis. I've got a lot of respect for lots of focus pillars friends and like, they they really are the MVPs generally on on most sets, but um, so like even on the little on the little promos and stuff that I've worked and you kind of you know it's handheld and it's sh- short you know it's a and it's really tough and they're trying to you know you just see their hands just flicking and all of a sudden yeah. the, it'll like, be like one little bit that just maybe wasn't as sharp as it should have been it was like oh was the whole thing sharp you're like yeah the dude's like running around jumping about on a got on, a, on like a 75 mil you know whatever foot with whatever stop that's a really yeah. hard shot to focus pull yeah i think it's amazing that, and then they get someone like me going by the way it was soft um <laughs> like, always shut to, up always quietly to the ear never in front of other people yeah. just very politely say would you like to have a look at the focus i'm not sure it's quite right and like mm. it there's, there's a respect there that has to be kind of uh, upheld. And there's a lot of people that don't keep that. I said, the relationship between DITs and focus pillars, DITs and DOPs and stuff. Essentially, mm. we're like the secret little guy hidden in a van outside that people come and go, is it okay? And you go, it's fine. It's fine. It'll look great. <laughs> don't worry. Okay, cool. You know, sweat yeah, exactly. dripping off the brow. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. But um, there's a documentary that I work, I recommend watching called Side by Side, if you've not seen it. It's Bert okay. kind of re- um, leads it. And essentially he talks about the digital versus film, um, kind of the balance, how it's happened, where it's come from. So a lot of the stuff I, you know, I've just been talking about comes from this documentary and, and okay. part of different things. Like mm. the first film ever shot fully digitally was Star Wars uh, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. And absolutely, George Lucas got hammered by the whole industry. How dare you shoot on digital? It's an HD. How dare you shoot digital? How dare you? You're going to ruin the industry. This is the worst possible thing ever. And he just went, man, I'll just do what I want to do. And, you know, and did. And like, but without him, and I mean, Star Wars originally was um, the first film they, from that he developed uh, Lucas, um, Lucas, what's it? Not, it's uh, Skywalker Sound. So all the sound developments and sound came from like, those films so George Lucas did that he was also Avid wouldn't exist Final Cut wouldn't exist like all the stuff he was doing during the Star Wars films and stuff actually led to the whole and previously wow. led to this where we you know where you can edit at home you can you know get Final Cut I'm editing at home you can do virtual yeah. virtual editing you just you can work everywhere and it all came from this digital revolution people think it's the cameras but it's not just the cameras it's the it's the projectors it's the software mm. we use it's the you know it's how because film would always be scanned into digital to cut with before mm. you cut with scissors yeah. on you know a piece of film so like i said george lucas has, has done a lot for our industry <clears throat> so i don't think he deserved it and here's another fun fact uh, indiana jones temple of doom do you know the rolling ball yeah shot on a nikon a modified nikon camera so they even used digital cameras back in the 1970s wow. 1980s i think the films so what would that have given them then why, why would they have done that um, I think it's just purely they were trying trying something out. I think if they wanted okay. a small camera and they wanted it to look a certain way, and I think it's easier to do it then. I, you know, again, it was just a little fact what I just I picked up as I was reading through other other bits and bobs. Love it, I love right. it. So, with all that information, so yep. I know it's quite a lot to take in. So obviously, we've got to a point where we've gone film into digital. Like I said, they, they shouldn't ever be in, they should never be compared because they're different different ways of yeah. doing things, but they still end up with the same thing. You end up with a piece of art. Hmm. So on set when we sit there so we've got commercials dramas and films and promos and they're all done in a slightly different way so like my day-to-day job so the first the main thing i have to do is is this lab process which is offload the rushes make sure they're safe so i use a bit of software called yoyota and i really like it um other people use silver stack they all do the same thing they offload with an md5 checksum or eight xs hash which basically so, means- i'm so sorry what did you what was that last sentence what did you just write me all these little files do is basically they read every bit and byte and they right. produce document that says they're all there okay and, and the main thing is if you can do that process that's the first step so it means that your rushes are safe and that everything's offloaded and everything is fine yep so 
if the editors go, oh, you missed a clip, and the director says, I definitely shot that. You go, did you look at the reports? And they go, uh, no. I said, what did the report say? They said, well, they're all there. And I said, well, that's, and it's all there. That's what was done. So it, I said, it's, it's just, it's a way of saying, we've got everything, let's move on. And it's nice. verifying that we do so. And it's a very important part of the process, but it's a very basic part of it. So the next step is the transcode stage, which is you get the brushes in, you have a look at stuff. So you check, you know, if there's any flickering, you check if there's any problems, make sure the footage runs properly. There's no mm -hmm. drop planes, there's no dead pixels, there's no you know, other problems that could have occurred that no one did notice, notice first time around. If there is something, you go to the DP, go to, you know, and you go, listen, there's a problem here. The DP goes, oh, or it's a focus problem. You go to the focus problem and say, would you like to have a look? And they have a look and they go, oh, is that a problem? Then we kind of deal with it and move forward. Um, so that with that process, then you, know, you basically create stuff for the edit. So you create files um, for NLEs, which are like Avid, FCP, Final Cut Pro, Premiere, mm -hmm. NLEs, non-linear editing software. So it's again to come back from the um, Star Wars stuff. This is all generated from there, and you you transcode to either a DNX HD thirty six, which is for Avid, or a ProRes four two two flavor for um, Premiere or Final Cut or something else. And these are just what editors want to use. So yeah. this is the very basics. That's kind of what a data manager. Low, you know, a very simple job you do. You get the cards, stick them in, offload them, check them, transcode them for the edit and walk away. However, we can do more than that, obviously. So we can go, yeah. well, I can add a look to it. So let's say I'll try, I'll try and grade everything. So we do a best light or one light. Essentially means that I'll balance all the brushes to make sure all the colors and everything match, the contrast match. So when you cut with it, you have a, um, a piece of work that looks like it's one piece of work. So when they cut with it, so the editor doesn't get, doesn't get, doesn't jar and so forth. It just feels natural. Because obviously color is emotion. That's mm. and it always is. So if something's blue, it's cold. If something's you know something's red and warm, it's hot. So one's more inviting, one's less inviting. Women prefer the color purple. Men prefer the color red. And you know there's so much more to color than that. And it's something we're mm. actually discovering at the moment. And color science and stuff is really evolving. And it's actually really exciting if, if you're a DIT. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's well, just, even you know, for branding and marketing and all the rest of it, there was a there was an article that was written about you know specific colors if supposedly for specific um uh what's the word i'm looking for for um, for different areas of, of of marketing so if you're marketing a science-based product or if you're marketing a, a yoga book or if you're marketing a, a drink or so you know whatever everything's got its own specific kind of color that is yeah. is best used for it yeah but they said like the color blue was never referenced no the color blue was never referenced until like i think the 1800s or something like that so it didn't wow. exist before that and yeah, and um, yeah, but basically, so color just one of those things that people don't really consider. But actually, it's a very mm. useful one. Once you kind of get an idea of it, you can do a lot with it because obviously, mm. it's, it's you know, it's it's part of everything. So we can do this process where you can grade stuff. And DPs don't always trust you to do it. If they don't know you, they won't do it. Sometimes we just put a normal standard look as uh, a lookup table. So it's like a look that someone created in a lab and said this is kind of how to convert from one space to another space. And stick it on, and it looks mm. okay. But if there's a light change or a or a, you know the sun comes out color changes so what will happen is you'll have a mismatch grade so things won't look quite right so when they cut with it they might not use the shot that they like because it's too sunny whereas but you know you can change that later so they should really be using it so it's much better to balance stuff personally speaking but balance stuff so everything looks like it's one piece of work so they can yeah. move forward from there so that i always recommended that's way going forward but then you can take that again the whole process a step further you can actually create a look so film stocks you know you've got your um your Kodak 5219, 5217, you've got the Fuji stocks and all the different various of things. We can now make those stocks and put them into digital cameras. So the digital camera can actually look like it's filming film stocks. Or you can, or DP can come up with a whole new way of doing stuff themselves. So I can actually develop, I can develop these little LUTs, put them into the cameras and make the camera look like whatever they want it to look like. Wow. Whether in a technical way or a creative way. So, oh, I want to make sure I'm always underexposing by stops. We take a stop away and stick it in. So he's always underexposed by a stop. It's always working that way. So it's a new way of working, but essentially it's given more control, more tools to the DP's kind of arsenal while he's on set to create images. And we're here just to, you know, babysit that process because mm. it does get a bit overwhelming. Even for us, it gets a bit overwhelming. It sounds, it sounds overwhelming for the point that you can, there's so much choice now. Yeah. It's like, yes, it can, it can allow someone to, to, to be to the nth degree exact on what their vision is, but actually get the kit out sounds like you was film just a lot simpler or what was that process of being able to get their look right the it's simpler because they'd be leaving it till the end so they'd shoot it the way they want to shoot it then the dp would know what exactly was going on um and you'd have his light meter and they put it out and they do it and then when they get to the thing they have a thing called color timing where 
Um, oh Brother, Where Art Thou was one of the first um, films done where they basically colour timed it. Yeah, and so all those trees, you know, they're all orange. They're actually mm. green. They colour timed them orange. So they actually changed the colour of them to make them look like that. Nice. So, and that's the point. So he's changed it from what would have been a really boring, you know, normal looking scene to these, you know, autumnal sort of scene, which gives it a whole different part of the feel, you know, feel mm. of the film. It makes it feel um, for more rustic, I guess, rustic, I guess would be yeah, the yeah. question. So, but it wouldn't have been, if it was green and stuff, it would just be, you know, a drama. So mm. that's what I mean. That, I mean, um, Roger Deakins is quite big on kind of color grading and so forth. And famously, uh, I heard uses one LUT constant, constantly, but you can use many if you want to. I mean, the one LUT being, um, look, he's got one that he's got developed a look, way he likes to look at footage. So yeah. he sticks the camera, and when he puts the digital camera on, points it, and if he likes the look of it, you know, he he then likes it, but he knows what it does, how it works, and so forth. So it's his way of technically creating an image the way he wants to create an image. But every DP, and this is the whole fun of them, is they have a way of looking at the world, which is what you hire. You're hiring nice. their particular view of the world. Mm. So um, some DPs like it really dark and really moody and so forth. And there's a technically a good way of creating LUTs to make that give them the same image, but still retain all the information rather than underexposed and starve the information mm. of the sensor. And then you've got other DPs who are like it bright and poppy and so forth. And colours will go out of gamut, which will mean they'll go too blue or too red. So your TVs can't don't even know what those colours are because you have so many colours. Because that's freaking out. <laughs> yeah, and so you'll see it sometimes um, out of gamut blues. As you know, the big stage shows you see a blue like light sweep across, mm. and it will look like it's in front of the TV screen because it's so blue and it's a block of blue, and it's really odd looking and like it's it's basically it's solarized, and that's an out of gamut blue, which means the blue is so blue that it doesn't know how to deal with it. So it, fully saturates it and fully illuminates it and it becomes this crazy block of blue and um well we're moving that's in our rec 709 color spaces which is what the tvs at home will look at mm. and we're moving to rec 2020 which i should explain at some point they're basically <laughs> amount of just throwing numbers at me i'm like i'm just i'm gonna have to like properly make a note of all of this so i can sound intelligent on set <laughs> it's it's stuff that we we know enough i can explain to you but essentially it's of all the colors you can see rec, yeah. 7, rec 709 has been what we've been seeing in 69 hd stuff for you know for countless years and it's about 50 55 maybe 60 percent of all the colors your eye can see whereas rec 2020 is about 80 percent of all the colors you can wow. see and like and then p3 which is the stuff they use in films is about 70 odd percent so the new 2020 when they go into uhd and all this other stuff you'll see way more colors way more brightness way more everything which is also the hdr stuff which i won't go into but mm. it's another massive jump in technology where you're seeing more colors more whites more grays more reds more blues more you know everything it's becoming richer and richer and richer so when you look at the tv screen you're like is that a window or is that a tv and that's mm. kind of what we're getting to kind of do you just, is it have you always loved the technology side of it the the, the yeah. nuts and the bolts or is this something that you've just had to kind of deal with because it's your job no i mean a good DIT has to read a lot. A good DIT has to um, test. You have to go and find, make sure that things work. You have to, you know, make sure you have all this information at hand. And I've got loads of apps and I've got loads of little things, of you know, documents I've written and stuff. And I mean, I'm mm. sure other guys have got the same thing. We share these documents with other people. Just a way of going, DP goes, so what's the frame rate, maximum frame rate on a 65? And you're like, um, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's about 40 frames uh, at full 6.5K, sir. But because we have to bring this information because the DPs expect it. So yeah. the point is we're now becoming a hub of information for the cameras, a hub of information for color. We're also the linchpin, uh, or I like to, you know, linchpin for all the, you know, the bottom piece. I won't say asshole, but maybe I did. <laughs> but everything gets stuffed into us and then it goes down to post from us. So with yeah, this yeah. little tiny, you know, with this tiny ring where everything's being forced through from on set. Oh God, I just picture it. I can't, I can't get that image out. Don't use the hands. Don't, for those listening on the podcast, just don't use the hands. <laughs> the bottleneck. Let's, let's say bottleneck. Uh, you know, let's, okay, let's say, okay. So we're a bottleneck in the production. So, oh, okay. so on set, <laughs> On set, where um, uh, what with it? At the end of the shoot, the entire budget of the entire shoot sits on your desk. Yeah. And what? So again, wow. it's, this, it's one of those things. So you have a lot of no responsibility one, for a student that doesn't know anything about it and has never been on a set. That's again, tough. this is the point. So saying to other people that this is the easiest job on set, you should do it. You carry quite a lot of, because you have to do that. You've got all this stuff on there, and then you know, then to pass that over to like, make sure they, you know. You know, they deliver it safely so you've got to, you have two drives usually on set sometimes three and they separate in different you know traveling to different places and so forth and i did a job um with a client once and the client was desperate to take all the rushes back every night 
and they're going the same cab to the same hotel. And I was like, guys, you can't really do that. I said, I can keep a copy in my van. I can lock it in. You know, no one's going to touch it and so forth. But you've got to give me some trust with this. But because if anything happens to these copies or one of these copies or both these copies, you've got nothing. Like your entire budget's here. So mm. you need to be a bit responsible about how you separate stuff. And um, I got left... <laughs> I got left basically on the side of a road dealing with these clients, arguing with them, saying why they can't take both of their drives of them, of their, all their rushes saying, look, I just, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying it's probably not the best idea for you to take both yeah. of them. Cause that's the only copies in existence. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but we know it's fine. And so forth. I'm like, okay, but just so you're aware. And you know, cause obviously I don't want to take responsibility for anything going wrong. And like yeah. it, you know, so then obviously the, the minute they left and they took both drives and I was like, okay, phone the production manager. I'm so sorry. Listen, this is what's happened and this is what this is what they've done just to let you know i just want to make sure i can write in the email and this is what i've learned over my years is mm. always write it in an email what's yes. happened yeah, just yeah. so you have a record to say this is what i said and this is kind but at of the end of the day it's their footage you know that's and yeah. i guess that's that's how they were thinking they're like we've paid you all to do this this is ours i'd like to take it but actually you know if they're in the same cab and something happens and they you know they get robbed or there's an accident or something and those rushes obviously hey look you know their yeah. safety is their paramount but if we're just talking about the specific product that we're, that we're yeah. creating yes it makes sense for there to be a secondary drive that's not with them somewhere else yeah which kind is, of makes which common usually, sense but you know yeah which usually would go with production or so when someone else but yeah. this is one of those extraneous circumstances where i got left behind um and i got left and they said you know we do mine i was absolutely fine i just didn't see it happening because i was busy right. just doing my thing um, well, that's it. Anyway, Rushes run them now, Rover. That's it. Runners <laughs> don't have to. You know, that was my that was my entire career. Is you know, big well, yeah. boxes of footage. You know, driving into Mid Street at eleven thirty at night to try and make that that twelve thirty. Well, it's funny that because runners aren't expected to do the Rushes run anymore. Now no, it's that's it. PMs and producers or PA yeah. are left behind to kind of do that. So I always think that's kind of it's. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should go back to being runners. Perhaps that level of responsibility. Know. Where were they? Where, you know, what were they going to do? You know, it makes more sense that the production manager takes it because then it goes back to the office and it's there. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So, and then on top of that, so with all that compl complication with obviously Lutz and Lutz and Transco's and stuff, there's another hey, thing you back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. There's there's a, a, a bit of what you've said that have just gone straight over my head, but I will listen back to this and I'll be like, oh, okay, Rex. What was it, Rex? Well, yeah, Rex, Rex seven oh nine. Rex seven oh nine sounds like a rapper. Yeah. I'm or just running out of there. Go BT six oh eight if you want to go down oh, to <laughs> their latest album was amazing. I loved it. <laughs> right. So um, as I said, there's different roles roles yeah. within the DOT within the DOT Brotherhood. Um, but is that is that is that something that as you do more, you just gain more skills, or are you coming in and expected to kind of be able to do all of those things? Uh, put with them, like I said, the, the conversation I'm supposed to have with the these guys um, who are basically trying to create this DIT thing, we want to make sure that it's the DIT that has um, that has to know all this stuff because that's yeah. the whole point of the DIT. DIT. Yeah. But because because there's no structure and there's no like I can't train anyone without them becoming direct competition. Mm. And like I don't mean that in a sort of like oh it, you know they, they, oh, that's why I wouldn't train people. I train a lot of people, but the problem is they won't get win jobs over me. I've got more experience than they do, so they're not going to work. That's that's the problem and then yeah. no one's gonna no one's gonna trust them to work because like i said it's a lot of responsibility mm. so what, one of the things we wanted to create was this basically the structure where you have a data manager who nice. in a safe environment i can train someone who can just offload rushes mm. and in the film world you do get basically these data managers um data managers they are angry you get them um on set so you actually have someone to offload your rushes so you're on set and you're doing what we call is uh, live grading so live grading is basically creating lots live connected to the camera um, where the DP kind of goes, okay, great. Um, I need a bit more blue, a bit more blue. Okay, a bit more red. Perfect. Yeah, that's cool. Let's shoot. And then you save these files, which then go onto production, which get added to the grades later. And when they do the off, um, do the uh, online the dailies, mm. basically. Yeah. So the, the commercial workflow is much, much simpler because we kind of take almost three or four people's jobs or whole departments' jobs and make it into one person's job. Much mm. like we do with playback, much like you do with the grip department and so forth. It's just condensed because commercials are quicker in and out, and we can get it all done in a day we can move on whereas in films there's a bit more they have to be a bit more structured because it's a lot it's a longer process so they need yeah. to have more sort of things so the dip in the dip structure so the dip would have to um basically look after the exposure the live grade and then basically you're babysitting the data manager who's offloading rushes going i've looked through stuff there's a few problems could you have a quick look you go fine have a quick look you speak to the dp and so forth and then you have a trainee to get you coffees which is very important also yes. yeah 
Because we do a lot of hours. <laughs> yes. And also the, um, with the new guidelines that are coming out this week, um, we've gone out for five. It's mm. like, you know, each department are going to be their own department and a runner making teas just can't go around an entire film set under these exactly. COVID restrictions. So it yeah, makes exactly. sense. Everyone's going to need it. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. So it's, you're having to create sort of like these little tiny sort of globes of, especially in the COVID, you globes of things. But mm. as a DIT, you have to, in commercials especially, you have to be, that already like i've got a kettle in my in my van because i've been left in fields like you know two three in the morning with the you know pa or a producer and we're just sitting there just chatting away or watching these little bars go across the across the screen like you know back in the day when we started and the and the connections weren't as fast like we'd, it, we'd be doing two three hours four five six hours overtime above everybody else's overtime so oh. everyone goes oh 16 hour a day you go that's fine i did 24 hours yeah and um i mean it's it's just you know this is her it was horrific and obviously connections got faster we got thunderbolt 2 we got to USB-C or thunderbolt 3 and now we you know we are, i can offload anything up to a, a gigabit gigabit a second now so i can offload something like 200 gigs in about five minutes wow whereas 200 gigs previously would be like uh okay well that's gonna be about four See you hours, next week yeah <laughs> basically and it was but the cameras never produced enough data for it but then obviously mm. they, they still tried and there was still moments where people would just turn the cameras and so forth and like one because i know other people have said it the etiquette and i think it was tony kraut said it the etiquette is gone from filming oh mm. just turn over yeah it's fine and then just people talking over the rehearsals and you're just like guys that's that's time the editors have to watch that's time we have to download like it's you know just because it's digital doesn't mean it's cheaper it's just yeah. it's but you know what and even thinking about it, it's like that is your t like that's the first time that i really put two and two together and gone the amount of times that we say turn over and and the whole thing stops for a minute and a half two yeah. minutes it's like well if we're doing 100 well, 50 takes a day or whatever you know that's another two hours of your time just because as ad's or directors or dops haven't cut or ha we haven't got that process yeah that's your so, time that we're ticket yeah so mate, fun, sorry fun, fun story um the, the alexa mini lf produces um, and also the lf produces 32 gig a minute so every minute is 32 gig. So 32 gig off an SD card will probably take you about an hour and a half to offload. It's one of the slow, one of the slow ones. So like that's an hour and a half of basically time you've wasted for a minute's worth of footage. Although off yeah. the big cards, it's, it's you know it's, it's literally about a minute, about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. But mate, let's start a campaign. Let's get the process back. <laughs> let's save the DITs, eyes wide shut, everything that's been happening. I'm telling you, exactly. we should do it. It's the thing is, it is a big thing, and like I said, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I've made I made most of my money from overtime. I don't yeah, really yeah. get paid a lot. It's, it's not it's the overtime I get paid from paid from. I mean, I did um, the job I did this week. I did thirty six hours overtime in four oh, days. God. So and there were eight hour days. So I've actually did, I'm almost almost done. I did an extra <laughs> four or five days on top of everybody else. <laughs> and that's because you've been and we'll do it in the. It's this will probably come out. This app will come out after that. So that app was your hashtag trending and it was talking about what you've been doing last week week before exactly yeah yeah that's that's the one but i mean there's other so go days. check that out ladies and gents go check that out there's that so my, my famous one this is this is one of my stories so um i was on set one time and we were talking about our you know the eyes wide shut stuff and i was with lovely sam LePage, who i miss very much lovely. Very, very, yeah. very lovely man and we we're talking about um who does the most hours on set so I'd go, oh, I've just done a job. I've done you know, eight hours overtime or five hours overtime. It's like war wounds. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, look at this girl. Yeah, yeah. And he turns around and he goes, listen, Mark, you go, you don't know anything. I know a dit who basically was up for three days offloading rushes. And he goes, basically what we did was a 3D thing. It was a performance, it was an hour and a half. And it was 3D, so there's seven cameras. So that's 14 camera feeds. And they had this and he had to do this. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's That sounds like a lot. And I was like, Sam, you do know that was me, don't you? Went, oh, <laughs> that's where we met. <laughs> I recognised your face. You don't look as tired now, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. But that oh was, my God. Was an awful job. I basically set my phone to wake me up every ten minutes, which is how long it took to offload the card, so I could just get literally three, four minutes sleep, in between little kind of cat naps for three. So it was three oh days. God, I sat. That right sounds after. horrendous, man. It, it was, this was in the early days of it, so no one really knew yeah. what they were doing. And like I'd come up, and this is again. Like, <laughs> we another, still don't. <laughs> Well, this is a life lesson for me because I, yeah, I just yeah. I asked her said I was supposed to be supporting another DIT so I was like oh, that makes sense because obviously quite a lot of cameras I'll be supporting someone I turned up they said oh no you're the guy doing everything and I'm like 
what? Huh? I just didn't ask enough questions. That yeah. was the problem. And then and I said, it's always good to ask a lot of questions, which basically, again, part of my process is now asking loads and loads of questions before we mm. start a job because I go, I need to know this stuff. Otherwise, I don't want to be able to know how to do it. Yeah. And you can't be prepared. You know, how many jobs have you turned up and you've gone, oh, we're shooting on this camera. And then all of a sudden a, a runner or someone come up and they go, here's the footage from the GoPro. And you're like, yep, happens a lot. fucking GoPro? Does happen, does happen a lot. <laughs> if you guys started charging per camera, so trying hey. extra per camera. And it's purely based off, if it's pre-agreed and absolutely fine, but it's not yeah. agreed and there'll be extra sort of costs and stuff like that. And it's just, and it's again, it's people, if people come up to me, you know, producers say, oh, why are you charging extra for the extra two cameras? You're just like, well, we didn't discuss them. And like, yeah, yeah. I can take it off if you want to, but it's purely there just to go, can you please make sure you talk to me? Cause like, yeah. I just need to know, I need to know this stuff. Cause if you know, one of the worst things that could possibly happen and it's the thing I swear, swear around the most is actually running out of space on the hard drives mm. and it's happened and it's, yeah. it's happened because you know, I, there was one camera and we I'll go great. These are the drives you need for this. And this is this. And for this, if we're shooting this format and we're shooting like this and we're going to do, and it's an interview. So it's a short, it's going to need a long take or short takes. So I work it all out and go, right this is roughly and it's about two hours a day of footage is mm. kind of the rule of thumb um and you go great so this is how much we need and then you'll shoot and they go oh here's another camera there's another camera and we're shooting high speed and you're just like i'm i'm just not going to be able to put this on the drives well it's like you know the the process of shooting on film which was we've got 13 rolls to do two days a shot or 14 rolls to do the thing a thing it's seven rolls a day each shot has got you know you kind of it was a it, there was a a slight mathematical element to having to micromanage the process of how much you're filming maybe that's yeah. you know it's like that's all you're trying to do is just figure out what's how many mags how many rolls of film you yeah. need in theory that's, that's exactly it but i mean yeah. fortunately the manufacturers have stopped producing certain types of drives so if you the bit fastest raid drives you can get are eight terabytes and the fast and basically apart from that six terabyte g drives and you can get one or two little lacy ruggeds and because there's so little choice um it's actually a lot easier because you can kind of go well you need these for that job for that job and you need these for those oh, jobs yeah. And I'm forever looking for kind of cheaper options for production so they can kind of get the right drives for the right jobs so they're not overspending. Because nice. like I said, drives are expensive. You can spend like mm. you know, £500 a drive when you can get away with being a £100 a drive. Yeah. I mean, the difference is 800 quid, like because it's obviously two drives. So you know, it's a lot of money that you can mm. sort of save in between. So I mean, for me, for me, it's very trying to balance the, you know, what are you shooting, how you're shooting it to how to put it all together, which mm. is the first conversation I always have with people. It's like, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to do it? Okay, how many cameras and so forth? And if there's anything changes, let me know because this will change. Yeah. You know, if you tell me on the day, and it's, I'm just like, okay, guys, I need more drives. And they go, yeah. well, we can get drives on a Sunday. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's just something sure. I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't manage this. I say, like, yeah, yeah. tell me. Well, it's, it's stopped, you know, having that early conversation stops the problems later. Yeah, again, it's another life lesson to make sure yeah, yeah. you have conversations, you talk about stuff. It's really, it's really important. Um, so, like I said, going back to the point I said about the film, films and dramas and so forth. So dramas yeah. tend to be offloading only. They don't mm -hmm. really care about any of the process and so forth. Commercials were an end-to-end. -end. We do a bit of everything, yep. a bit of live trading, a bit of this and so forth. And films, you have the structure. Um, again, with films, so you end up having you know, eight cameras to manage the, you know, the exposure of. So one of the th jobs that a lot of DITs do, and I know I do it a lot, the guys I work with closely, is they ask me to keep an eye on the monitor the entire time. So while I'm offloading doing my work, I've got a monitor in front of me connected. To Playback. Playback, yep, okay. And I'm connected and I go, okay, well, that looks about half a stop overexposed to me, half a stop underexposed, that's flickering, this is a problem here, this needs to be fixed, needs to be done. And a DP actually said to me, who's lighting this, me or you? And I'm just like, well, you're lighting it, I'm just telling you where the bits you need to do, you know, to tweak it. <laughs> yeah, it's your job, it's I'm just telling you how to do it better. <laughs> just... <laughs> Kind I'm of, just helping it? you. Yeah, it's that, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you know, um, what was it? You, you go home and your mother, you know, you got a bit of smudging on your on your cheek, and your mother licks her tissue and wipes it off. It's kind of a bit like that. So sort of like, <laughs> you did a good job, but let me just, you know, it's just. Get that but then, you. you know, the thing is, is that as a DP, there's so much going on in their brain. There's so many yeah. departments that they have to manage, and actually trying to keep on top top of all the technology that's changing. What? every six months maybe time. every year or so there's always going to be something newer actually just kind of i guess having the humility to say or the yeah maybe humility just yeah. to say well actually yes it's your department you know more about it thanks so much you know yeah. that, that feels like a that's probably a trait that i'd probably feel like i'd have to take on because i just wouldn't you know they, they, they're thinking about other things yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing that, you know, you're a safety you, net you have sorts. Yeah. That's that. Cause I always consider DITs as QC. We're just basically quality control just to make mm. sure you want that live there. That's absolutely fantastic. You just need to make it a tiny bit brighter and then we're in a good place. 
you know, and that's it. Because I don't like it how it looks like that. Because what's well, fine, we'll bring it down later. We'll make sure that in the grade it gets a bit darker. We make it work. And they go, fantastic. But we just need the information there. Because my job is to make sure that your neg is what uh, we classify as a thick neg, as in as, as much information on there as possible. Yep. So that you know you can do whatever you want later on. You can change stuff. So if there is a problem and you want to change the blue to a red, or you want to make the you know the blue super bright, you can. If you starve the neg of information, you won't get there. Like I said, and it's not the same as film. Like it's, we're working with a linear process. It's mm. zeros and ones. It, more light in means more information out. It's it's that simple. With with film, it was slightly different because it was a chemical process. So you you could definitely do a lot more interesting things with it. But I'm not saying you can't with digital. You just have to be the person that does it rather than by accident. Mm. There's a lot of happy accidents with film, but digital it isn't. It's almost like a clinical process. Yeah. It's, so it is, is that where you started? Did, were you, did you start off in film in the camera department or what was your route? No, no, I started off, I've got a degree in pharmaceutical sciences, which is a chemistry and Stop biology it. degree. No. This guy, breaking so, bad up in the house. I love it. Yeah, so I started, so this is, and this is, this is what, it's a very, it's a, I, How do you come about, well, I guess the chemical process has got you into film or is it just like no. a, got bored of? God, this, has been story. My hobby. this has been my hobby since I was a kid. We used to make films with my, with my um, cousins and we used to kind of, I taught myself to edit, I taught myself to shoot, I taught myself, you know, to take photos. I, you know, I taught myself to kind of do everything because at school, um, nobody ever, ever told me it was something I should do. I was good at art and I was good at creative stuff. I was good at photography. And they went, yeah, but you're also good at science. And I'm like, okay, well, what's a better career route? And they went, oh, science, definitely. And I'm like, oh, okay, but it's not that much fun. And they're like, yeah, no, but it'd be a good career. And I'm like, good for you. I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of did that. And so I came out of university. I did a year in, um, I did a four-year degree. And one of my years was I was in a laboratory and I worked in an animal testing laboratory, which was really fascinating. I don't believe in it, mm -hmm. but I thought, you know, it's one of those things you've got to test your, uh, test yourself. So I wanted yep. to see kind of, how it worked. So I thought it'd be an interesting thing to do. A year doing stuff you know, with, you know, in a lab, seeing how it all works and so forth. And get me on, feel free to ask questions, by the way, anybody, if you want to talk about it. Mm. Like I said, I don't believe in vivisection, but I also see the point of it now more so than I used to. Um, anyway, so left, left, left university and I got, and they went, okay, we'll offer you 10 grand a year for this job. I went, great. So I sat in this interview going, 10, 10 grand a year. And, um, is that like a starting salary? They went, no. And I went, okay, can we get promoted after like all? And they went, no. I went, is there other departments I can go to? They went, no. And I was like, well, I, I, I just yeah. have to say no. I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah. I said, I can get more working in Tesco's than this. And mm. I was like, I don't want to start my career in a dead-end career. Mm. You know, like, why would I you know, want a dead-end job like from, from the get-go? And I mean, one thing about me is I'm hugely ambitious. I like, I like achieving stuff. I like oh, yeah. moving forward, which is why I like training people. Why I like, you know, why I like, even why I'm doing this. I love to kind of... Um, you know, show people how to do things properly mm. and and so forth. Let me say properly in the way I like to do things and see if they kind of vibe with that. And so I decided to form a band at that point because um, I've been playing in bands for Music years. Music band. But, yep. So I was in a band. Stop it. <laughs> and Come on. I used to work on. I used to play on the same circuit with Mumford and Sons. We used to support yeah, them yeah. a couple of times. So when oh, they got wow. signed, a small band, we were in the same sort of um, group, and we got signed with another label. Except our singer went with a rapper to be a self self-recording artist okay which didn't really work out everyone else went to emi and virgin they all did very well whereas we were yeah, like yeah. oh okay well now it's done i love the guy to pieces and stuff and it was a good is idea there, is there albums is there is this there on is. spotify can people right tell us what's the name of the band um that was kevin tuffy who was basically a solo artist and yeah. um, really lovely guy and really, oh no, well, yeah, he's working as a mixing agent a mixing engineer at the moment i mm -hmm. think or part master engineer and what what, really what did you play i was a bass player stop it yeah and i was also in a rock band called big truck and we did a lot of stuff recorded a couple of albums with that as yeah, well yeah. ask me i'll get you an album i've got nice. loads of my home going nowhere <laughs> i've even gone to spotify as well there's a, <laughs> you have a track wrongly have named you? on spotify under the wrong artist as well so that's pretty it. good nice <laughs> so anyway but that obviously failed um oh, yeah. as, as most music as most music stuff does and like and i just didn't know what to do i was kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place and i was like um, and my dad had just been working, um, he's a builder, and he'd been working on a house um, by Charles Allen. Uh, Charles mm -hmm. Allen, his partner, basically is, is an architect, and Charles Allen was, was basically the head of ITV, or the CEO of ITV. Mm -hmm. And my, my dad said, oh, my son's really interested in TV stuff. Um, you know, could you get him in? And he was like, yeah, cool, I'll get him, in, get him in. So I got in for work experience, and I worked on a documentary for ITV called Britain, Britain's hardest away days, which was about football fans, basically. With um, is it the uh, Danny Dyer? Was it one of those kind of I, series? Yeah, those that type of Here stuff. We are. Yeah. 
you know, Swansea away, come, come on, let's have it. You know, that kind of Pretty stuff. Pretty much. And like, so my job you was to... must have fitted in so well. Yeah, my, my job was to watch rushes. I had to watch and um, watch rushes and log them and anything interesting they say or do yeah, or, yeah. or bad things they do, I had to write down. So kind of, wow. and this is what I did for a month. Um, I did it for no money whatsoever. It was mm-hmm. just like, I think they paid my, some expenses, so my, you know, my train fare was paid and that was it. And then it kind of got to the end. I was like, well, is, is that it? Is there nowhere I can go? And then one of the PAs went, look, I've been watching you. I think you're really good. My friend's working in TV's Naughty's Blunders. Do you want to move across to there? And I was like, that would be great. So I moved off to TV's Naughty's Blunders. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So I worked there for about a year and a half after that, which was great. And, you know, Running, yeah. work experience, that kind of stuff. Or yeah, the lower end. Yeah, yeah. Mainly watching rushes. I was, okay. And I learned to watch um, rushes in high speed. So watch it in nice. fast forward. So cause you can always tell when something naughty happens because something mm. they break, you know, break the camera. So I watched Sharp. Um, Sharp, uh, Sharp. I used to love Sharp, by the way. Like it's, you know, them, you know uh, with Sean Bean. The police or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I used to love it. And I watched all the rushes for all the series and found all the little bloopers and stuff from that. And it was great. And I had a really good time. And then um, you know, this is kind of where it gets a bit, again, I got to the end of this and nothing had happened. I'm like, well, this is a, this is a bit weird. And my friend takes me to one side and she says, listen, you're never going to make it here. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're too well-spoken. You're too ambitious. It's like, oh, uh, well, I just thought there was like positive things. I thought, you know, being, <laughs> I thought that yeah. was a good thing. And they were like, she was like, no, it doesn't work here. People are kind of, they, they don't, they don't, they're not happy because they kind of, they see you, see you as a threat. So yeah. you just, you're just never going to make it. Um, and funnily enough, I also developed a TV show, which became a multinational um, show, a syndicate around the world, which I never got any credit for, which is why you should always read your contracts. Oh no. So, what was it? Can you tell us? Uh, take me out. So take Stop me out. It. I, I developed it. And the reason the way I found out, I looked in Broadcast magazine and they copied my summary and they literally posted it in, in the uh in the magazine. I was like, well that they, they sent me an email which basically said, Thank you Thanks for so much for your idea. <laughs> we, no, thanks for all your addition, but we've got something very similar in the works. And you're like, Oh, mm. but I would, I'd agree with you if you hadn't literally stolen my summary. Yeah. Um, posted in the newspaper. But again, if you work for a multinational company, so why you read your contracts, mm-hmm. says that they own all the intellectual property that you create. And in fact, wow. some of our contracts say the same thing. So if anyone's actually creating their own work, please read your contracts on set. Please be very careful about what you sign, NDAs mm-hmm. and other contracts and so forth, because the um, you could be in a bit of a spot of bother and you could lose yourself, like I said, a multinational syndicated TV show. Wow. So, um, I said, don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, I'm pleased you did because then you wouldn't be here. It's positive. It's positive. So, anyway, so from there, I kind of was, I hit that wall. So then I kind of worked in little bits of Bob Jobs here and there. Still not quite making it anyway. Still not kind of finding my feet. But in the meantime, in ITV, they put you on courses. So I did Mm. all the courses coloring, camera work, researching, running, whatever it was. I did every course going. I did every show going. I literally worked every single job. I did, you know, worked on Who Wants to Be a Celebrity. I worked on Anton Dex and I take away. Anything that was doing celebrity spelling bee, if it was there, I would do it. I did the BAFTAs. I did, I did it all just because I was like, I need to see if I can find my feet. I just couldn't. I just couldn't break through. I just wasn't their type of person. Mm. So I just was like, well, this isn't really working for me. So I ended up in Disney. Do you know in Chiswick Park? Um, where Disney, you know, basically do promos and little things like that. Okay. So I ended up working for them. And except I was working for Jetix, which then got bought out. And now is Disney XD. Mm-hmm. And I worked for their sort of promo slash commercial department. And yep. finally, I got to a place where I was actually quite happy. I was like, this is great. So I started kind of doing these little tiny commercials and shoots and started meeting my first ADs, you know, the first ADs and started meeting like production managers and mm-hmm. DOPs and, you know, learning, you know, doing the camera stuff. And I was very much going, hey, how do I get do your thing? How do I get into your thing? And they're just like, oh, you know, it's just, this is a company thing and blah. And I just kind of got shut down a bit. So I was like, okay. So then with the big move from Jetix to Disney XD, they, um, they basically did a kind of a merger. I kind of got left behind and I kind of got put to a position where once again, I was taken aside by the um, CEO of <laughs> MEA who went, you're a bit too ambitious for this sort of company. And like, perhaps you'd be happier somewhere else. And I said, and I was like, oh, well, you, you know, you can't really fire me. And he's like, well, no, but I just don't think you're happy here. And I'm like, well, no, you're right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so you know, what do I do now? Anyway, once again, you know, just, I did you know, I hit another brick wall, basically. I was like, yeah. where do I go from here? And the production manager who'd been working on one of the commercials said, a guy called Christian Fitzpatrick, and he's out there, thank you very much, introduced me to Callbox. So fi- nice. finally, I'm with Julia, with Claire, with Patsy, and they're like, we're going to help you out. And they did, and they put me as a digital a digital technician, or like, it wasn't technician, but like a technical runner, or a digital runner, or a digital mm-hmm. whatever else. And slowly, I just started meeting people and started doing stuff, and they put me forward for every single job going, and they go, I worked in Hungry Man, I worked in this place, I worked in another place, and I was like, this is, this is great, this is what I want to do. 
and um, you know, trying to see what happened. And all of a sudden, the DIT thing just literally exploded. And they're like, you know about this stuff, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I've got all the courses here, the certificates. And they went, great, that's what you are. I'm like, oh. Wow. And that's just sort it of- It just found up. you. Yeah. So again, what was it? Toby Corlander said, this, this industry chooses you, you don't mm. choose it. And I totally agree with him. It's just sort of, you were in the right place at the right time. And it just went, yeah, that's, that's what you are. That's who you are. And that's what you should do. And Amazing. as you know, you know, I love what I do and I love, and love the people I work with. I'm so happy. I've never been so happy you know, working with doing anything. Yeah. And you can be as ambitious as you want. That's the beauty <laughs> of it. Yeah, no. Oh, amazing. Well, look, dude, we've I think we've definitely gone over the 45. Probably we're coming up to the close to an hour. So yeah. what's have we missed anything? Have I, you know, um, was there a question that I because I've just I've I've just loved listening. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, sorry, I just kind of kind of I love on, it. On. I love it. Sometimes you know it's like you just I just drop a little question and then it's like cow. So yeah, I normally kind of ask if there's advice for younger self, but is there something else that you want to just get well, out there the before my, that? my younger self would be essentially just keep going. Just like don't don't stop, don't stop at any point. Um you need to keep going and I had a whole bunch of quotes with all quite funny, which I learned on set. Um, you get more with honey than vinegar, which is pretty common, but that's pretty nice. good. Yeah, um, don't take don't take things personally. It's a high stress environment, and people say mean things because they're stressed. So it's not always personal. So don't take it personally. Uh, choose your jobs. Say yes. Fail to prepare. Prepare to fail. Nice. Uh, if you're late, uh, you know, if you're, you're if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. Lovely nice. Jeff for that one. Yeah. Uh, if you see a seat, sit on it. If you see food, eat it, as you'll never know where you'll eat or sit again. It's like the SAS. <laughs> these, these are all Unless you're I've a had. runner and yeah. never sit down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it's a lightning bolt moment, which I'll quickly go over, which yeah. is basically I was working in Hungry Man with mm. Luke Thornton on a Microsoft Love commercial. Man. I was doing all the prep inside, and it was, I was having so much fun, Matt, um, Matt Bulesen, who was very good to me when I was a runner, who always looked after me. And I was sitting there with Luke Thornton and we're just going right in, both of us sort of thing. And it was the first moment I remember going home and I was in the cab. Luke bought me a cab. The first time I got a cab home, I was like, you know, really wow, pleased. Big. I'm like, I said, and you know the M4 where it goes to the, the raised bit of the M4 as you go out towards Heathrow from yep. central London. Yeah, yeah. Ch- Chisley Roundabout. Chisley Roundabout, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically the sky turned pink and red and golden. I'm just oh. smiling going, this is where I'm meant to be. This is great. Yeah, Four in the morning, boy. five in the morning going, this is the best thing ever. This is so, such a good place to be. Oh, dude, I love it. Well, look, ladies and gents, I just, the enthusiasm, the knowledge, the just the sheer love of what you do. Like you are one of the very lucky people in this world that has bounced around, has ended up doing something that they genuinely love, who is happy to set the alarm for three in the morning for 10 minutes so that you can get a little bit of sleep to then get back up and carry on doing your DIT. And like, mate, I'm just, I'm so, I'm me personally, I'm so fucking pleased for you. I'm so happy that, you know, and this is it. This is, this is the film industry that, you know, you might've started off making your films when you were a teenager and gone, I want to be the next Quentin Tarantino. And then actually the journey that you've had has kind of taught you that, or has, has kind of led you down a path that is, maybe better suited to you or just something that you know that you've you've loved doing man i love it i this these are the chats that i love because you kind of you get that emotion from people that they love what they do it's not just like yeah get up and i you know do the job and i put in an invoice it's like no no invoice aside i love doing this i love doing that i love doing this i love doing that so thank you dude um have you got any kind of shout outs anyone that you want to give a big shout out to like how i how i did it for the last couple i'm like look this is your oscars moment you have you yeah. have just you just walked up onto the stage. Everyone's clapping, and the award goes to and this is it. So what? Who are you thanking? Well, I wanted to thank you, but obviously self promotion in something you're promised. But because I think yeah. what you're doing is amazing. Like I really Appreciate do. It's it, kept me, it's kept me going while I've been building my pergola the last couple of weeks. Like I said, it's just I love I've seen it. It's friends. lovely. It's a beautiful it, pergola. Exactly, it's lovely. Uh, the CTV, CBTF, which became the film and TV charity, I was going to do a shout out to them, yes. but you've done that already. And like, they're wonderful. What they do is brilliant. And it's like I said, it's a really important thing to have around. Yep. Callbox and Wizzo, who have both supported my career Amazing. hugely. So I really want to say thank you to Lee Hickman and Patsy and, um, and Julia and um, Claire, which is obviously important. Um, the, the work the APA and Beck are doing at the moment with all the COVID stuff. I mean, that's, yep. that, that's absolutely amazing. I know there's a meeting shortly to work this stuff out and like i said it's i've said please please be involved in what's going on back mm. to is very important right now because we have a chance to actually start 
what changing our hours and putting some putting some some life back into us into our um, careers so shortening our hours perhaps or something to make you know life a bit easier for us mm. um and the other thing was you said about eyes wide shut so there's a guy called haskell wexler who did this documentary called who needs sleep it's on vimeo it's free he tried to start a 12 12 movement 12 hours on 12 hours off so that people could actually think and he he actually had a car crash and hurt himself quite badly his oh, loader wow. died yeah. and it's really important that um people understand that so these are the things that people should be interested Amazing. in it's mainly union stuff and looking after yourself because like i said i do all the hours and i'm so happy to be have the, be able to do all the hours as you know but mm. i don't want to do all the hours i have a son at home i don't want to fall asleep at the wheel and die like people have done big love a massive that's just such a beautiful honest ending to just an amazing episode so thank you dude um ladies and gents um i've got the goosebumps that kind of shit just just gets me going so thank you um thank you for everyone who's been listening thank you for all the film students and media students that have just been given a, a massive insight into what happens on a film set and especially for your role um and ladies and gents subscribe share send this stuff out make sure that people are listening um thank you all for listening and for keeping us in the top 10 and for you know getting us into the american charts and the canadian charts it's it's madness i'm, I'm on a, an amazing journey and i'm talking to amazing people and it's 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 been amazing in time so i'm you know i'm getting emotional so i'm gonna stop but i love you all um keep safe and ladies and gents go check out his other reps i'm just we're gonna start doing it let's just get this man on every single week we love it right big love until we meet again film family that is a wrap so that was a chat with the king or queen in the game i'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name it's the film gods podcast the what the film god podcast